Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. What's on everyone's mind this week? A polar vortex and a pandemic have conspired to freeze North America, parts of Mexico, Europe, and even the Middle East. And as much as I would like to directly blame Joe Biden and China, I can't, even though China leads the world in weather modification, a science that has been making progress since the 1940s. Nope. This perfect storm is fully Yahweh's hand. May he be blessed. Job 37.5 God thunders marvelously with his voice. Great things does he which we cannot comprehend. For he says to the snow, Be you on the earth. Likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He seals up the hand of every man that all men may know his work. But here are the works of men. Job 24.1 Why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know him not see his days? And verse 7 They cause the naked to lodge without clothing, that they have no covering in the cold. And Job 37.9 out of the south comes the whirlwind and cold out of the north psalms 147:17 he casts forth his ice like morsels who can stand before his cold A polar vortex is the swirl of winds around a low pressure area in the upper atmosphere over the Arctic. The vortex split in two, which created ultra-cold air to move toward warmer air to its south. But it was warmer air that caused it to split in the first place. Global warming fans will dance with glee over the fact that a recent spike in Arctic temperatures caused the vortex to split. Temperatures high in the stratosphere above Siberia increased from about minus 92 degrees Fahrenheit to 8 degrees Fahrenheit. While these sudden stratospheric warming events happen to some extent every year, this one is categorized as a major event and is less common. Oh wow, it's like the Arctic was giving Joe Biden and the Great Resetters a great big blown kiss for the Valentine's holiday week. The mass of extremely warm air threw the freezing polar vortex out of balance, shoving it off its North Pole axis so forcefully that it, in effect, split in two as if growing a pair of legs, one over North America and one over Europe. So this is God's gift of delusion to fool the fools into believing they are right about global warming even though this event occurs this badly only every few decades. Polar vortexes or vortices account for some of winter's chills annually. 
The EU severe weather authority warned in January, though, that this would happen. But a month's advanced warning is not enough time for putting in a supply of fuels, oil, gas, and coal when the global warming folks think their new solar and wind technology can handle the situation. They have learned the lesson that this is not true, but it won't matter. They will push the failed technology anyway. Whatever the cause of the Texas electrical grid's problems turn out to be, the cause of this is a hand of God event. The collapse of the polar vortex comes, though, at a really bad time. People all over the northern climes are dying from COVID and the COVID vaccines. The global economy is suffering everywhere. And there could be long-term food shortages because of this. The news media is full of experts explaining how people dying in Texas is the fault of the Texan government. No one is acknowledging that God's hand is in this. Nope. It is 100% the fault of government for being unprepared, so say the complainers. People will never look to Yahweh to see what they might be doing to cause him to unleash this kind of disaster. Put God's hand with man's negligence and you get a real mess. The man-made reason for Texans dying in the cold is the failure of their power supplies, natural gas, and wind turbines. Mexico blamed Texas for its own grid troubles. The Texas natural gas-fueled electricity grid failed spectacularly amid record cold temperatures and surging demand for heat, and Mexico's national power provider, which depends in large part on a supply of U.S. natural gas, found itself helpless to provide electricity to 4.7 million customers, more than a quarter of them in Juarez and Chihuahua state. Mexico's Federal Electricity Commission, known as the CFE, distributed a statement on Monday with the headline, Texas suspends supply of natural gas to the CFE. The article goes on to explain why this is not true, saying the massive blackout in northern Mexican states was the result of poor emergency planning, mismanagement of Mexico's energy sector, and the CFE's inability or unwillingness to buy natural gas at sky-high prices. Alex Epstein, president and founder of the Center for Industrial Progress, explained on Glenn Beck his version of what happened. The president and founder for the Center for Industrial Progress, the author of the moral case for fossil fuels, Alex Epstein, is with us now. Hello, uh, Alex, how are you? Hey, Glenn. Great to be back on your show. It's great to have you. Um, I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about what's happening in Texas. There is no way we should be having these problems in Texas with the with our own power grid, with as much gas and oil as we have. What the heck is happening? <laughs> yeah, so... I mean, this is something I've been warning about for a while in September 2020. So I live in California. When the California blackouts were happening, I warned on Twitter 
that there are similar things happening in Texas. And so a blackout is an extreme event, but this blackout is not unprecedented. Texas has been having what I call industrial blackouts a lot. They call it demand management. Mm-hmm. But it basically means when there's not enough power, they have their industrial, or they'll call it curtailment. They'll have their industrial uh, projects stop. You know, they'll cut off power to industrial people. They won't cut it off to the home. So what's happened here is the lack of ability to meet demand has just been so extreme, and there are some unexpected events that it, that everyone is seeing it. But it's important that this is not an unprecedented thing. It's just a more extreme thing. And this is something that's happened in California. It's happening around the country. And the fundamental reason whatever else is going on is the insistence on using unreliable wind and solar energy instead of reliable energy from coal, nuclear, natural gas. Well, why we is... that coal... Nu- we have oh, just one thing. Like, yeah, go ahead. We know that those sources, because there's issues of failures in Texas, and we'll talk about that. But we know for a fact that coal, gas, and nuclear can work under any weather conditions mm-hmm. around the world. So whatever is going on in Texas, it's not that coal plants don't work, gas plants don't work, nuclear plants is a combination of specific mismanagement and non-preparation in Texas. But the main thing is too much attempt to rely on unreliable energy, and that takes away focus and funding from the reliable energy and from making it resilient. Okay, so I'm, I'm kind of caught in between. Some people are really, really pissed. Some people are like, well, that's what happens. I'm somewhere in between. Uh, there are times that I feel like I'm living in Syria. Um, however, I don't expect the state to spend oodles of money protecting for something that happens once every, even, you know, when it comes to salt trucks and everything else, why spend the money? It happens every 10 years. This is something that happened, you know, about every 40 or 50 years in Texas. So I cut some slack, but I don't understand uh, why our coal plants are down. They are down. Our natural gas plants are down. Why? Well, so there, there's, I mean, we. I don't think the ERCOT, so ERCOT is the so-called Reliability Council of Texas. I, they haven't been totally open, so it's not easy to tell exactly what's going on. There are a number of things that can happen. So one thing that they'll tend not to talk about is it's possible there's been some just mismanagement of supply and demand. So when demand was exceeding supply, they didn't curtail demand early enough, and that can cause things to trip up. It can be that specific plants aren't resilient enough. It can be that the fuel infrastructure, there's something off with that in terms of of delivery of fuel. And this is something that I think that will emerge. But again, these are all things that are handled everywhere around the world. They're not inherent in coal, gas, and nuclear. Whereas what you see with wind and solar is they went completely out to lunch when they were needed most. So no matter how, even if there had been no freezing of the wind turbines, wind would have still been useless during very large portions of the situation. So why? the basic lesson wait, is wait, 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 why, why, why would wind turbine, when there was winds, why were wind turbines not useful? Well, well, they were frozen, some of them, but, well, no, no, I know but that. there wasn't wind, the, there wasn't wind the whole time. So okay. even when there has it, so okay. a talking point for the other side has been, oh, well, not that many of them froze. But if you look at the recent data over the last several days, there have been times when it's been one gigawatt out of 32. So they, Part of the thing is they call the capa- they call the maximum possible wind the capacity, which is ridiculous. It's just a lucky situation. So they say, oh, we have 32 gigawatts of wind, and everyone brags about that. But when the going gets tough, you had one, two, or three gigawatts of wind. So again, they're always people always like to talk about the peak, 
But the real thing is, where are they when you need them? And the point is, they're not reliable. They're, they're basically reliable for zero. And that's why they add so much cost, because you always have to have the unreliable infrastructure and the reliable infrastructure. So some Greens are blaming not enough gas being online, and that's because of the green screen, uh, scheme requires it to be offline so we can get more electricity from wind, right? Right. Everything is engineered around trying to maximize the amount of unreliable wind that you're using. So the whole way the grid is working normally that's very wasteful is you're cycling the gas up and down to accommodate the wind. If you had a reliable energy infrastructure, which we used to have around the country, you would just have a whole slate of reliable plants. And then when you had a lot more demand, you could just ramp a lot of the reliable plants uh, up. But here, what Texas is trying to do is they're trying to minimize the number of reliable plants to cut costs. And this is why the, um, you know, one of the public utility people said, and I think in 2019, like, hey, we've got a serious issue. Our, our reserve margin is very scary. Texas is notorious in electricity circles for trying to get away with the lowest reserve margin possible, which means the smallest margin for error possible. It's gone down dramatically because they've been trying to cut prices and use wind. That's what, all, that's what happened in California. We didn't maintain our power lines enough because we didn't want to raise prices even more after we had inflated them with green energy. If you don't focus on reliability, you're going to lose reliability. Mm. So in northern climates, when it gets cold like this every single year, how do, how do they avoid this problem? Are they doing less green energy than Texas is? Well, there are two things. I mean, so one is just they have better specific policies for their plants, and that can take all sorts of measures. But they just figure mm. out, I mean, these are, you know, these places, Texas, even in bad weather, is not as bad as places around the world. I mean, obviously, you have places in Russia that are using these kinds of places, places in cold parts of Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, what's happening, though, it's important with the unre- what I call the unreliable, so the solar and wind. It is possible to have a certain amount of them along with the reliable. So people in the Midwest are saying, hey, look, our wind turbines are working. And it's true that you can spend money and they don't necessarily ice. Uh, but the, the point is they're adding costs and they don't scale because, again, you have to pay for the unreliable energy infrastructure and the reliable energy infrastructure. Plus, you have real, it's really inefficient to run a grid that way because it's like mm. stop-and-go traffic for the reliables. Plus, you, you wear them down a lot more quickly when you move them up and down. But the real thing to notice is you cannot rely on the unreliables. They're parasites. And what we have as a country is a policy that's trying to get us 100% dependent on these parasites. The real lesson of Texas is not that wind turbines froze. It's that wind and solar cannot keep us warm and powered in the Mm -hmm. winter. And so these Green New Deal type plans are a complete fiasco. And everybody should be asking Biden, what the hell would Texas do under your situation? How the hell would they get power if you're going to have nearly 100% wind and solar, which were totally out to lunch when they were needed most? Jeez. Wow. I mean, we're now buying power, I believe, from Mexico, which... (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh, so are these, if, when people say the Texas grid, we're fine because we have our own grid in Texas. Are, have, have the progressive policies just pretty much dismantled any positives we had with that? Yes. So this is, I, I mean, I was really scared of what was going to happen with this storm, and my fears, unfortunately, came true. But one thing I thought would be good in terms of a lesson is Texas does have this isolated grid, and that can be an asset or a liability. But it, what it really illustrates is the problem of relying on unreliable 
energy because in California, even, you know, we import 25% of our electricity, which at a given time can be 40% of our electricity. 25 is just an average. So we're bailed out by Nevada, Utah, Arizona. But what happens is Mm. they start trying to have more and more unreliables. Then we can't rely on them. And that's what happened in the summer. It got hot. Wind went down. The sun goes down every day. People are shocked. And we didn't have enough electricity and we couldn't get it. So everyone is trying to play this game of get it of chicken with how much unreliable can I use and get away with it. And the Texas is a good illustration because it's this self-contained world. And so we need to learn that the whole U.S. cannot be like Texas. And again, Texas is something like 20 percent wind. It's a tiny Mm -hmm. fraction of the Biden plan. The Biden plan says 100 percent carbon neutral grid by 2035 that's 14 years and he's anti-nuclear he does nothing to support nuclear and the, the biggest lie the biggest giveaway is none of these people support nuclear texas has not been increasing nuclear if you look at texas's plan so i just i just wrote about this on on twitter it's just alex twitter.com slash alex epstein and so i wrote the statistics this is listen to this glenn like, what would you think Texas has planned? Okay, so zero nuclear plants. Nuclear are the most weather-resilient plants. They store their food. So zero plants, uh, no new coal plants. They're probably going to shut down plants. 9.4 gigawatts of wind. So the existing 32 gigawatts, it went down to one gigawatt when it was needed most. So it's basically useless. And then 12 new gigawatts of solar, and solar was almost completely useless. So, And then five new gigawatts of gas, which is basically to handle all the ups and downs of the wind and solar. So this is Texas's plan, and that is a mild day at the beach compared to what Biden has planned. So we need to totally change direction. So to recap, it's a combination of mismanagement, not paying attention to the early weather warnings from a month or more before, no preparation, and too much reliance on unreliable energy. The coal and natural gas facilities are down. Wind and solar cannot keep people warm in the winter, says Alex Epstein. And Tucker Carlson tried to talk with former Governor Rick Perry in Texas to get some answers, but there were no answers to be had because Rick Perry's power went out during the interview. The unreliable sources of energy generation, wind and solar, are proving to be so bad for northern climates that it begs the question, how will the Great Reset climate change crowd justify their increased use to Americans, Mexicans, and northern Europeans who suffer with cold temperatures every winter? How will they convince people that non-renewable energy, you know, burning stuff like, oh, wood, coal, oil and gas, is not as good and reliable as renewable energy sources like solar panels that freeze over and wind turbines that freeze in place, even though they can be warmed, which then in turn uses some kind of other energy source to keep them going. How is that better for them? Well, it won't be a matter of convincing. It will be a matter of the global elites forcing their energy methods on people and people dying every winter and every summer because of it. 
And while many want to blame Texas' recent reliance on wind and solar, and I know that they're not saying anything about solar, Politico is not buying it. According to Politico, it isn't the frozen wind turbines that are to blame. They say numbers show that natural gas plants were the biggest cause of the power shortfall, not wind. In winter, wind power supplies about 25% of the state's electricity. And nearly half of that capacity shut down when ice coated the turbine blades. As residents tried to heat their homes, demand surged, and the agency that manages the state's power grid, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, imposed rolling blackouts. The question is, was the state's reliance on wind power its Achilles heel? Did it fail to have enough gas and coal capacity to meet people's needs during uh, extreme conditions? The state's grid operator said on February 15th that about 34 gigawatts of power were offline. But of that, only about 4 gigawatts was due to problems with wind turbines. Do the math. 31 gigabytes of power was offline and that's natural gas and coal. Those of you who have heard that frozen wind turbines are to blame for this, think again, tweeted Jesse Jenkins, engineering professor at Princeton University. The extreme demand and thermal power plant outages are the principal cause. It's not as though the grid operators didn't plan for winter troubles, but they hadn't planned for an event as severe as this. In their annual forecast, they predicted that demand would peak at about 67.2 gigawatts. On Sunday night, demand hit 69.1 gigawatts. Meanwhile, the outages from coal and natural gas plants were at least 10,000 megawatts larger than they expected in their most extreme scenario. To a certain extent, the wind turbines exceeded expectations, says Politico. The grid operators predict a day in advance how much power the turbines will produce. At many hours of the day on February 15th and 16th, wind delivered more power than the engineers at the Electric Reliability Council of Texas had expected. Woodfin told the Austin American statesman that for the turbines that remained operational, strong winds were spinning the blades faster than usual. Cold weather doesn't have to curtail wind turbines. In northern states and Canada, turbines rather are more likely to be designed to shrug off cold and ice because cold weather is a regular occurrence. You can use anti-icing methods, said Christopher Nizrecki, engineering professor at UMASS Lowell. It can be as simple as heaters built inside the blades. But Nizrecki said for a rare storm like the one in Texas, that wouldn't make sense. It's always about money and the capital expenditure, he said.
You would build it for whatever events are likely. Why would you pay a lot more for a rare storm? He asked. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because human life, even human life down the road during the rare event, is worthwhile. But for the Moloch abortion-led American generation that now exists, who cares about the long-term effects of anything on human life? Why, they won't even protect their babies in the womb. So just send them to the tomb when you get the chance. The Texas Agricultural Commissioner has issued a red alert for the food supply chain. Farmers and ranchers are seeing devastating effects from the cold weather on livestock, feed, and agriculture products, according to Mr. Miller. I'm getting calls from farmers and ranchers across the state, he says, reporting that the interruptions in electricity and natural gas are having a devastating effect on their operations. Some dairy operations have been forced to dump $8 million worth of milk every day because the plants that process the milk don't have any power, Miller said. He also said one of the main items grocery stores aren't getting is their dairy products. Store shelves are already empty, Miller said. We're looking at a food supply chain problem like we've never seen before, even with COVID-19. So, everyone is blaming each other and not turning to the real source of their destruction, Yahweh and His control over the weather. Turning to Him and repenting of their sins and abominations doesn't even come to mind. The other thing is that while everyone's attention is being distracted by both Yahweh's own hand and the politics of the electric grid, the politics of medicine is taking a wildly dangerous turn for the worse. The bad weather is temporary, but the cultural climate change will be permanent until Yeshua comes. And here it comes, vaccination passports. Israel announced COVID-19 lockdown easing for vaccine passport holders. If they comply with the mark of the beast, they will be allowed to move a bit more freely. Remember the stories we learned in school and from movies about Germany during World War II and the constant need for people to produce their quote-unquote papers? A vaccination pass or passport is documentation proving that you have been vaccinated against COVID-19. The whole world is heading into Nazi Germany mode, led by none other than the very Jews who were oppressed this way under Nazi Germany, and even killed under the oppression. Israel is set to relax its COVID-19 lockdown and unveil a new vaccine passport, allowing those who receive the jab to access some 
public spaces. As Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, the shops would soon render restrictions unnecessary. The country's COVID-19 cabinet approved an easing of the shutdown measures after a meeting on Monday night, Netanyahu's office said in a statement, putting Israel on track to enter the second phase of the health ministry's exit plan this coming Sunday. You see... The globalists are changing the world step by step, or should I say, phase by phase. With some 43% of Israeli citizens inoculated with at least one shot of the jab developed by Pfizer and BioNTech, the cabinet moved to permit malls, open-air markets, museums, and libraries to reopen next weekend, gradually scaling back controversial restrictions brought in late December. Also starting on Sunday, Israelis with a green pass handed out to those who've received two doses of the vaccine or who are presumed immune after recovering from an infection will be allowed to enter certain public spaces such as gyms and hotels and sporting events. The pass can be displayed through a phone app. In an interview with Israel's Channel 12 News on Monday, Netanyahu spoke optimistically about the country's trajectory amid the pandemic, saying that 570,000 citizens over the age of 50 could make the current lockdown Israel's last if they were to receive the vaccine. We need the utmost national effort to vaccinate these 570,000 people, the Prime Minister said, adding, when they're vaccinated, there will be no more need for lockdowns. So, you people who are holding out, get on the ball. Don't make us punish everyone else because you won't get vaccinated. The next phase of reopening is set for March 7th, according to Netanyahu's statement, when small restaurants and cafes will be allowed to resume operations, as well as limited public gatherings. Those with green passes will then be permitted to dine out as normal and resume full activity at hotels, event halls, and other public spaces. Well, sorry folks. No more going to the feasts of Yahweh in Jerusalem until he opens it up unless you intend to get vaccinated and have one of those passports or green passes. According to world figures, hospitalizations and deaths caused by COVID are plummeting. The UK may soon follow Israel's vaccine passport lead. The calls for vaccine passports, which would entail de facto mandatory vaccination, are growing louder and louder in the UK. The issue has become confused by two separate demands being dubbed vaccine passports. For some, this refers to passports for international travel. The Tony Blair Institute for Global Change, for instance, has ominously asserted that proving COVID-19 health status will become a fact of life in its call for vaccine passports. But its proposals are focused on opening up borders. In many ways, this is less contentious. 
It's not unusual to need a whole host of jabs to travel to certain places. What is far more concerning, though, is the call for vaccine passports for domestic use. For access to services and entertainment, for instance. And it's not difficult to see how the development of an external vaccine passport for getting on a plane could be repurposed for this quite easily. The government had initially promised not to introduce vaccine passports. We are not planning to have a passport in the UK, insisted Vaccines Minister Nadim Zahawi earlier this month. It, that's not how we do things, he said. No doubt the government also worried that if people had the impression they were being coerced into taking the vaccine, this would undermine trust. But something seems to have changed since then. At the weekend, Foreign Secretary Dominic Robb said a vaccine passport scheme, which would grant access to hospitality venues and events, was under consideration and had not been ruled out. The Financial Times reports that companies in a range of industries have already been engaging lawyers to draw up no-jab, no-job contracts. Some in the events industry have also touted vaccine passports as a possible route back to normality, as if there's anything remotely normal about the idea. Within just a few weeks, the vaccines minister has gone from slamming vaccine passports as discriminatory to shrugging his shoulders as they emerge through the back door via the private sector. It's up to businesses what they do, is his current evasive non-response. The government has even given 75,000 euros of taxpayers' money to biometrics companies iProve and Mvine to develop a COVID passport, such is its level of non-involvement. Contrary to what some neoliberals might say, There is no great moral distinction between businesses removing your rights and the government removing your rights, especially if the end result is the same, that you cannot participate freely and equally in society. People who have been vaccinated have nothing to fear from those who haven't. It's hard to take seriously any claim that such a scheme would really be about safety. When COVID finder General Pierce Morgan rants that he loves the idea of COVID vaccine passports for everywhere, he is very clearly and openly taking pleasure in the prospect of oppressing others. It's time COVID-denying anti-vaxxer loonies had their stuff, bluff, called and bar themselves from going anywhere that responsible citizens go, is his justification. In some ways, the vaccine passport debate is an extension of the post-vaccine lockdown debate. Even as the risks posed by COVID begin to fade from view, thanks to the vaccines, 
and I disagree with that, the authoritarian impulse to cajole and control society remains strong. New mutant strains of the precautionary principle keep emerging to put off the return of our pre-COVID freedoms. If implemented, vaccine passports will be here to stay. Any new intervention that is proposed a year after the coronavirus reached our shores is not going to be wound down when the COVID crisis is over. Once in place, the vaccine passport will no doubt metastasize to accommodate new forms of coercion and surveillance. It will be repurposed for new threats, real and imagined. The vaccines, by more or less eliminating the dangers posed by COVID-19, should be setting us free. But in this authoritarian climate, we should not be surprised that some want to use them for the exact opposite. We're seeing it happen right in front of us, folks. The way the world will be split between those who can buy and sell and those who cannot. Those who can enter the grocery store and those who cannot. Those who can get medical care and medicines that keep them alive and those who cannot. Those who can travel, for instance, to the place of safety in Yahweh's wilderness and those who cannot. The CDC announced this week that fully vaccinated people do not need to quarantine after COVID-19 exposure. The rationale is that quarantining is supposed to help curb the spread of the virus. Once you have the vaccine, you can't spread it, right? Wrong. All the CDC is doing is easing restrictions for Americans just like the easing of restrictions in America's sister nation, Israel, for Israelis who get vaccinated. Why do I say that? Because once you take the vaccine, if you're exposed to someone with COVID, you still are required to wear a mask, do social distancing, and avoid crowds and poorly ventilated spaces to prevent the spread of the virus. But wait, aren't vaccinations supposed to stop the spread of whatever disease you're now immunized against? Yes, but it doesn't. Why? Because it's a fake vaccine. It does not immunize you against anything. It introduces the first of many genetic alterations that are needed for your body and mind to be completely turned over to the Antichrist. In the meantime, the globalists need people to not return to their old habits going about their business according to their own will. The globalists need people to be subject only to the instructions and commands of the globalists. You need to be retrained over who is the boss, you or them. Thus, You will keep wearing the mask so that people will gradually not be able to recognize you and you will stay away from others to prevent anti-globalist discussion, etc. This is the reason for shutting down free and conservative speech. 
No dissenters allowed in this new normal. The vaccine is a ruse. It is designed so that the globalists can begin separating their sheep from Yahweh's. Their sheep will take the vaccines, the start of the mark of the beast process, and will allow themselves to be genetically altered so they can still buy and sell, travel, and get medical care. Yahweh's sheep will soon begin to suffer as vaccine passports become necessary even to get into a grocery store, your bank, or anywhere else. The vaccine doesn't cure anything because it is not medicine and it does not immunize you. It changes you. That is its purpose. And that is why if you get the vaccine and then become exposed to COVID, you still have to protect others from you even though your and their chances of dying from it are less than 1% at any age. This is, you know this, it is all designed to make people learn to obey the beast. And obeying is what people are doing now and they are dying for their obedience. Detroit's WGPR-TV news anchor Karen Hudson Samuels died one day after taking the COVID-19 vaccine, but the official cause of her death is still unknown. Why? Because they're saying she had a stroke. They don't want to blame the vaccine. A 28-year-old healthcare worker from the Swedish American Hospital in Beloit, Wisconsin, was recently admitted to the ICU just five days after receiving a second dose of Pfizer's experimental mRNA vaccine. The previously healthy young woman was pronounced brain dead after cerebral angiography confirmed a severe hemorrhage stroke in her brain stem. Ah, well, there's two cases of brain problems after taking the vaccine. Who knows how many more there are? The globalists sure ain't telling. Her family members confirmed that she was breaking out in rashes after the vaccine. She also suffered from sudden migraine headaches and got sick after taking the second dose of the vaccine. At the very end, she lost the ability to speak and went unconscious. Physicians brought this issue to the Food and Drug Administration. Dr. J. Patrick Whelan, M.D. and Ph.D., and further confirmed by cardiothoracic surgeon Dr. Human Norkashem, M.D. and Ph.D., warned that a recently infected patient who is subject to COVID-19 vaccination is likely to suffer from autoimmune attacks along the ACE2 receptors present in the heart and in the microvasculature of the brain, liver, and kidney. If viral antigens are present in the tissues of recipients at the time of vaccination, the vaccine-augmented immune response will turn the immune system against those tissues, causing inflammation that can lead to blood clot formation. The FDA is monitoring the experimental COVID-19 vaccines for intravascular coagulation in recipients. This condition causes blood clots to form throughout the body, blocking small blood vessels. 
Some vaccine recipients report shortness of breath, chest pain, leg pain, or problems speaking, which are all symptoms of this adverse event. If the vaccine initiates this response in the blood, clotting factors and platelets get used up quickly, leading to internal bleeding. The CDC now says the vaccine has caused 501 deaths and 11,000 adverse reactions so far. Yet, Johnson & Johnson is now pushing for annual vaccinations because they don't know how long the vaccine's protection will last. Rather, they need to have an ongoing program of genetic alteration in humans because one pass of gene editing doesn't complete what needs to be done. And by the way, once these genetic alterations go far enough, the vaccinated people who can buy and sell won't help you who cannot buy and sell. The mercy part of their DNA will have been altered to disdain for the unvaccinated and they will want to kill you. So don't think you will be able to find help for your survival from them. It is possible that one of the first genetic alterations is to the God gene, the gene that makes people believe in God and which also is responsible for acts of kindness. Now we're going to talk about some even greater embracing of the beast. The German parliament ratified the implementation of Agenda ID 2020, the next phase of the global Mark of the Beast rollout being ushered in on the back of the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic. This centralized general electronic data collection program will profile every citizen in Germany and grant access to every government agency, police department, and three-letter agency, as well as to the private sector. Up to 200 points of information, and possibly more as time goes on, will be included in the program. These include people's bank accounts, shopping habits, health records, including vaccination records, political inclinations, and probably even dating habits. If the government can use it against you, Germany wants to house it in the Agenda ID 2020 database, which was designed by none other than billionaire eugenicist Bill Gates as part of his vaccination package. In nearby Switzerland, voters will have the chance on March 7th to approve that country's version of Agenda ID 2020, an all-electronic identification system that will link everything to everything of each individual citizen. Should the measure pass, the Swiss government plans to outsource management of the program to the private sector, meaning drug companies, big banks, and insurance companies will be buying and selling people's private data for profit. In the future, the program will likely include an implantable chip with built-in radio frequency transmitters that will be used to track people, as well as manage their finances and allot them payment credits for the work they do so they can continue to buy and sell.
Early trials of such technology have already taken place in remote villages of Bangladesh where poor people were injected with microchips under the guise of being vaccinated. This is exactly the type of thing that Bill Gates and other genocidal maniacs want to see implemented around the world. Every person will eventually have to be ID chipped and vaccinated and the 5G, 6G systems being installed on every church rooftop and corner lamppost will be used to program and control this global herd of new world order beings. All of this is for the purpose of keeping people quote unquote safe against Chinese germs, of course. And what could be worse? How could it get worse? Well, the Chinese have figured out that the DNA samples they're getting back from those PCR test kits they sent around the world, and now they're getting the data back, don't supply the best identification of individuals after all. Nope. What they now need is a swab of your microbiome from your anus. Bend over. Your gut microbiome is the best identifier there is when linked with your DNA. So they'll stick that infernal stick up your nose and up your backside to obtain the one and only unique material that makes you the only you on the planet. Oh yeah, the great resetters are getting ready to troll for the souls of men. Revelation 18:13. Joel 2 verse 1. Blow you the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of Yahweh comes, for it is near at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and strong. There has not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. The Antichrist globalist resetters are just the start. Prepare repent return to Yahweh with all your heart and he will gather you while keeping you safe Deuteronomy 30 verses 1 through 10 that's it for this Beast Watch News update this is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy